Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpeed. Podcast from Bayside, New York, for me, for the Sam Pete version of the film. And uh, let's bring in uh, the co host, the man who co hosts the podcast, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in Sprite, which is lemon lime. That's lame. God, I suck. Anyway, Calneva Calpino. Caliente! Brian Calvi, coming to us live from Comac. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the podcast slash live radio sports talk show. Yeah. You okay? That's, that's, oh, yeah. No, that's that's what we got going on tonight. We we have a lot going on tonight. We were uh, we had a lot to we were planning on talking about Brian. Um, we were going to talk about Jeremy Lin, and we had like this whole. We we're going to talk about the Knicks, and we're, you know, it's the time between the NFL season and Major League Baseball, and this is supposed to be, you know, a uh, a boring time of the year for, especially for us professional sports fans, not really college basketball guys, right? And we were going to have a nice conversation about Jeremy Lin. Nice. I even wrote an article about it. I made a pot of coffee. Nice over here. And let me uh, and let me just clarify when you when you say professional sports fans we're, we're not professional sports fans <laughs> we're fans of professional sports so wait a minute speak for yourself <laughs> my friend well I don't know if you heard I'm I've gone pro you have yeah <laughs> yeah well did you see the show on the iTunes in the iTunes store I did it says professional now it does. So our old one said amateur. Mm. We've gone pro, pal. We've given up our amateur status and we've gone pro. That's it. Well, status. I put it's a time dash on the end of that. Time to start putting food on the table. It is. Um, so we were going to talk about Jeremy Lin and the Knicks and holy cow. We still will. We still will. But you know, we got word today uh, at about five o'clock uh, that uh, Gary Carter, uh, beloved New York Met uh, of our youth. Uh, sadly, has uh, succumbed to brain cancer um, and the tumor that he had. 
passed away, and and that's uh, given us a flood of memories, a ton of memories. I was going back and forth with uh, McWalters, and 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 Cal. I got to be honest with you, I'm sort of looking forward to to running down Gary Carter memory lane with you tonight. You know, uh, you being uh, my oldest Met fan friend besides McWalters, of course. He's only got you by a couple of years because we live three doors down from each other. Right. And uh, you you and I have been talking about Mets baseball. I, I have some great remembrances of, of Gary Carter that I, I'd love to uh, to share with you and, and hear yours and stuff. And they a lot of them involve you. You know, a lot of them a lot of them involve Cal and Sam Pete in sixth grade or fifth grade when we got them. Uh, when the Mets got him. So uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, for sure. But before we get to that, how's your week going? Today is a very special day in the Calvi household. It is. It's Thursday. Uh, Julia Julia had religion, religious education this evening. Do you remember that? Oh, They still do that? Do I, not do I remember it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. She's good. Do you still go to like somebody's house and like one no, mother no, no, teaches no. They, it or whatever? No, she goes down to the uh she goes down to the Catholic school. She's in in the uh the, the elementary school and, and goes to the classroom and oh, so it's like official. What? Oh yeah, it's it's like going to school after going to school. <laughs> she loves good times. Well she's yeah. getting around uh, communion age, no? I had the communion. Had the communion, that's right. Last year. What am I saying? Idiot. So she's yeah, so she's actually now on uh the road to confirmation. Confirmation, right. Oh the sacraments. We got some time. Cal, let's bring in our resident Catholic. The bishop the producer of the show. The uh the ever ready, the ever vigilant, the ever uh give me another one. Give me another one while I find his while I find his intro music. The ever papal, the, the ever, the ever blessed. Do you know he is actually a a, a minister, Cal? He got his uh, he got one of those certificates online. Really? Yeah, he's like a minister for like the church or what's happening now or something like that. But he, I think he or can. He, yeah, I think he can legally marry you. Huh. I think he can Not- perform marriages and uh, circumcisions. I think. I think that's what came with that certificate. That's, that's not is. true. None of that. None of that is true. I think some of that is true. Some of that is true. I've been on the internet. <laughs> Let's welcome him in, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, our producer, and what uh, bomb you want vivant. What do know about Catholicism today? That's our quiz show for today. Oh, Fire that's... your Catholic questions at me. Oh, it's going to be a great show. <laughs> Are you not some sort of like uh, the minister of what's happening now or something like that? Didn't you get one of them online so you could marry people? I am ordained by the uh, Universal Life Church of California. <laughs> uh, this is very amusing to you. I see that. Well, uh, what did you – look, we never talk religion or politics on this show, and we're not going to start uh, now. Well, we're starting now, right now. But, it starts now. But Cal and I, I'm looking at Cal in the video. We have so many questions right now. Right. The, the, I'm the, ready. Church of, the church of who in California? It's called the Universal of Life course. 
church? The ULC. The ULC. You know it. Yeah. You, everybody you used to knows fight for the ULC. <laughs> That's our, UFC. UFC. Oh, I'm are you right. are you um, PJ? Are you limited to practicing in the state of California? No. How does well, that I can work? Practice all over the country. Cal, they're universal. Oh, you, oh, that's the U, right? That's right. the universal part, right? I, can, I he, am he not. Can practice in another galaxy. He's just limited to this galaxy. That's... I, well, but I cannot officiate weddings. How is that? Well, then why did you do it? What? This is. Wait a minute. <laughs> that, that makes no sense you, because so, can anybody officiate a wedding? Really? Yeah, anybody can officiate a wedding. You talk to anybody who 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 became a priest, and you're like, yeah, but you really you're just into it for the weddings, right? You're just here for the weddings. You only do it for the weddings. Pretty much. What does that mean? Oh, What's come on point? now. I do it for funerals. Wow. That, I that's... like to crack a joke. <laughs> Those are usually rough rooms. I know. You... I got some good ones though. You really like to I challenge got... yourself. I do. I do. Have you have you put uh, the Church of What's Happening Now uh, to the the Universal Life Church of California to the test? Have you used it? No. Like what? I'm just, what would have I'm to be happening a, for I'm them to be like, carrier. I'm a card carrying member of many societies. <laughs> what situation do I need to have happening for me to be like Frank? Get PJ. Uh, like he's, uh, he, he's he's ordained in the Universal Life Church of California. Well, I mean, if you don't just want a blessing, but you want a heavy blessing, you call me. That's all. Right. Flat tire. So, your goldfish dies. <laughs> and you, you can do like buying it. You know, you, poor Wes is there, and you can't you can't dry right. his tears because he won't stop crying. You said, "Look, I got a guy. I know a guy. We are sending this fish straight to heaven. You know a guy. And you can very good." That was that was my Andy Garcia, not bad, right? That was pretty good. Tess. 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 I've been working right, on it. Yeah. I forgot you have to hold the S. So <laughs> So Cal, you should you should uh, I'm sure there are pets coming for the uh for the Calvi children. And you pets? Have, well you have the dogs, right? We got two dogs. Right. So you should keep uh the Reverend C J on speed dial. Well it's good to know because we did recently just lose the bird. Is that a euphemism? Uh, unfortunately, that's as literal as it comes. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. Slang? Nah, we lost the pet. Parakeet, yes. Oh. Parakeet's name was Lulu, uh, naturally. Oh, uh, now you know. Now you know the guy to call is PJ. He'll do a quick I, blessing. And then he's off, he's off to open an A&P. He's, got, he's very... He's off to do a blessing on a uh, a DSW shoe store. I'll come over. I'll do I'll do a blessing and I'll bring my signature salad dressing. That's wow. That was terrible. Uh, Cal, <laughs> as they're getting ready for the confirmation now. You wish you had my rhyming skill. Right. So Julia's getting ready for her confirmation, right? But that's still what? What do they do that at nine? Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. Thirteen. She's got plenty of time. Right. Right. But she's on the road. That's that's the next. That would right. be the next step. Wow, that's got plenty. Plenty. I, re- I remember going to religion. I tell you, I tell you how I can tie this together. I remember going to religion in fifth grade, 
and uh, when the Mets traded for Gary Carter. 1985. It was in the winter of 84, right? I think it was, I, I want to say December 10th, 1984. 84, right. And of course, let's, up, let's just get this out of the way. The trade was? It was, um, and, and I'll, I'll start with my, my Gary Carter stories because that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, so 19, winter of 1984, I'm 10 years old. It was during the week. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I remember it was during the week because my father came in, and my father, when he worked, used to get up before the crack of dawn to to leave for work. He would he would leave the house before four o'clock in the morning, and uh, and this particular morning he came in and woke me up because he wanted to let me know about the trade. Um, but the way that he the way that he woke me up was he says, "Hey, the Mets traded Hubie Brooks." Not the, Mets, I, not the Mets got perennial all-star Gary Carter. No, that's how he started it. And, and, and immediately now I'm, I'm, I'm a stunad 10-year-old who's just been awoken from a deep sleep <laughs> and has now learned that one of my favorite players has been traded. Having no idea for who. Not, no, not, yet, not at that point. That's tremendous. Um, I, think he, I think he did ultimately reveal that right. it was Gary Carter, which kind of softened the blow. But it was, it was Gary Carter... For Hubie Brooks, Floyd Mike Yeoman. Fitzgerald, and Floyd, Floyd Yeoman. Yep. and Herm Winningham. Herm Winningham. Herm Winningham. A right. uh, couple things about that trade. My recollection is going into uh, 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 Northridge that day in fifth grade and being greeted by the other biggest Met fan in my particular class. You didn't change classes or anything. It was fifth grade. Right. Uh, Danny Ives. Danny Ives. Dan Ives, very, very big Met fan, and he was – I think he may have had a Carter jersey. That day? The next day. <laughs> and I remember there being some debate about I, – I, I, Cal, I remember having a little bit of a problem with how much – at, at the age of 10, with how much they gave up in the trade. Really? Yes. I had no trouble getting rid of Sweet Hubie Brooks. By the way, every time I say Hubie Brooks, I say Sweet. Sweet Hubie Brooks. You should know that by now. Yeah. Sweet Ubi Brooks. Love him. Because when I when I was when I, when he first came up in '83, I think I used to call him Ubi uh, instead of Hubie. Okay. Sweet Ubi Brooks. Um, I didn't have. I had a bigger problem with them giving up Yeomans. and I liked I liked Mike Fitzgerald. But all that aside. I loved Gary Carter. Well, now let's, you know, in the interest of, of full disclosure, you played a you played a little ball in your time, right? I did. I did. And uh and where did you play on the diamond? I was a catcher. You were. So you of all people would appreciate Gary Carter. It's funny. I loved Carter before he came to the Mets. I loved him as an expo. When they first made me a catcher, and let's name drop it, Craig Biggio, who was a uh, a camp counselor at the Smithtown baseball camp that you and I both attended. That's right. Uh, Craig Biggio actually made me a catcher. Up until that point, I had been a pitcher and a first baseman in Little League. Right. He was a catcher at that time also. Yes. Craig Biggio at Seton Hall at that time. 
Right. And he was a catcher at Seton Hall. He would later go on to play catcher for the Astros and second base and center field and is probably a Hall of Famer. But uh, Craig Vigio is from where we grew up on Long Island, Kings Park. They hated Kings Park. Mm. And uh, as a summer job, he worked at a camp counselor at the baseball camp we went to. And he took one look at me and he said, you're a catcher. That's right. I was a you know, roly-poly kid who could hit the ball far and throw hard. I mm-hmm. catcher. So um, I had no problem with that because of Gary Carter. In fact, I was ecstatic. You know, and you you know what the other link to Carter was, Cal? That early. Remember my remember your first little league team. Now your dad was a coach. My dad wasn't. Right. Your but your dad was the coach. I mean, your dad used to coach the all star teams and stuff like that. Like your dad was the coach. Mm-hmm. I was never on one of his regular teams. No, for some reason we just we we're never able to grab you in the draft. That's right. I I think it was political. Eh, I don't know. He was I, uh, he was he was very concerned with with always getting Brian White. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I my first number, which was issued by the team, uh, when I my first little league team when I was age eight, was number eight. Ironic. And I looked around and I was like, "Who's eight? It was Kid Carter. At the time, yeah. But you, 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 the 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 thing for Met fans, I remember Cal. We did a show the day that George Steinbrenner uh, passed away. Remember that? Yes. We actually happened to be doing a show. It was in the summer of 2010, and we were doing a show that night anyway. And we happened to do a show the night that George Steinbrenner. And we started talking about how just a lot of the remembrances and stuff. And 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 the thing that strikes me immediately about Carter is. He was the final piece to that puzzle for that 86 team, that 86 championship team. And we've talked about on the show a myriad of times that that Met team, had there been a wild card, would have made the playoffs, you know, something like six out of nine years or seven out of nine years or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, in 85, they won 100 games, I think, 100, 101? 98. 98, right. And they, they finished three games out. Right. Um and and didn't win the NL East because of the Cardinals. Um but he was the final piece, Cal. If if Hernan to me drafting Strawberry, drafting Gooden, those are the beginning pieces. Then getting Hernandez in in the trade in 83 for Neil Allen and Rick Ownby um is a huge move. They get Keith Hernandez uh, legitimacy to the franchise. They're on their way back. Keith immediately becomes the captain of the team. If they don't get Keith, they don't get Gary Carter. No, and if you remember the story, Keith Hernandez didn't want to come to New York. He almost almost held out, essentially. And you can't hold out in the middle of the contract, but he almost didn't even report. Yep, that's right. You know? He wasn't going to report to the Mets, and Cashin had to talk him into it. The other the other ironic part about the um, the Met Renaissance of the '80s is that it really started. Um, when Fred Wilpon and Nelson Doubleday bought the team, yeah, in 1980, and then hired Frank Cashin to be the GM. That's when it. That's when that was the first step. Yes, you're absolutely right. And and when you think back today, that 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 Fred Wilpon joining the Mets was the beginning of, you know, the good times. It's it's strange to think that, but that's yeah, not. But it was, that's it not was so much Doubleday too. I mean, I feel like Fred was well, of course. a minority 
Um, was he not the minority partner? Oh, yeah. No, I I agree with that. I'm just – just the mere yeah. fact that yes. Fred Wilpon was involved in the beginning of a renaissance. <laughs> just that he was involved in something good. I, it's strange. I go back to that – I was talking about this tonight with a couple of friends too. We were texting back and forth and like Carter on opening day in 85, hitting that home run off Neil Allen yeah. uh, in extra innings to win the game and Steve Zabriskie. Who was the uh, one of the uh, commentators for the Mets back then? You remember it was McCarver, Zabriskie, and Kiner, right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, that that game is actually on right now on SNY. Oh, they're showing it. That actual game, yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, and Carter hits a home run to win it off Neil Allen in the tenth, I think. Mm-hmm. In his first game as a Met, an opening day in 1985, and I remember him, the fist in the air as soon as he hit the ball, and it was such a he had such a bizarre sort of swing because he had that uh, inimitable stance. Right. Totally remember doing that stance in wiffle ball, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the arms outstretched. And, right. Or stick ball, right. The arms way out, like forming like a big eight, Uh huh. basically. And uh, we used to – I'm sure you did too, Cal. We used to do the uh, – you'd go down the lineup. Like we'd, we'd be playing wiffle ball. Oh, sure. You bat, you bat lefty or righty, whoever it was. Right, and you, you, you know, if I was doing Dykstra, you know, you'd be real nervous with your hands on the bat, and you know, how, how, thinking back, how in the world did we not become switch hitters? I wanted to. I, I mean, we spent so much time doing that. I want. I could have switch hit. I could have. Yeah. I wanted to my senior of high school, and coach said no. He said – his quote was – I was taking batting practice lefty one day, and his quote was, you have enough trouble hitting right-handed. Don't need to start that now. And and I loved our coach. I'm not bagging on him. He was right. Right. <laughs> but I should have started earlier. But anyway, I, I just ah, – gosh, you know, that's a, a part of our youth. I remember talking to you about the Mets in 86 when we were in sixth grade, thrown together. But we knew each other, right? Because the little league, I remember having a lot of conversations about with you with the Mets in '86 uh, on that on, with that team. Absolutely. Well, well, we we must have watched. I guess it would have been '87 though, when we watched the 1986 Met video. Yes. Um, the other and this memory, yeah. The year in review, or you know, like the kind of the. Not the Let's Go Mets video, but the uh, – Although who the, can forget Kid Carter's dancing in the Let's oh, Go Mets video? And he, started, he started it off. He dropped the, the the baseball cards on the kids or Gooden dropped the cards. Show them, Doc. Right. Do it. And then, and then he had the cardboard cutout of himself in the video that he appeared behind. Now, he – he uh, I know exactly what you're, where you're going, and let's talk about that first. And then we'll talk about the heat that Gary Carter took. Yeah. Um. Because on that team of that '86 team of bad boys, quote unquote, Carter was like the good guy, and sort of like the the clean, uh, you know, the clean cut guy. But that video you're talking about, the Mets year in review, is mm-hmm. if you're a Mets fan, if you never seen and you've never seen that, shame on you. Yeah, that's like that's standard issue for all Mets fans. You have to. It's just so, you know what they should do, Cal. They should have a giveaway. You want to talk about like the 50th anniversary of the team this year? They should do a DVD giveaway at a game, and give it to, give it give a copy to everybody. Yeah, it's just so good. Howard Johnson and Roger McDowell making the hot foots, showing how you make a hot foot. 
How does he do it? How does he do it? Mirrors. Mirrors. The gum is already being prepared. See, you, have, uh, you have to understand, Cal and I have this memorized like it's Star Wars. I mean, I can I can still see Gary Carter throwing the tennis ball off of the camera. Yep. Right? And that was like wacky. Like he was in the dugout throwing a right. tennis ball off wow, one of the cameras. What's he doing? And who can forget Mookie Wilson getting the ball. They were doing a drill in spring training in 86. And Carter yeah. was uh, – they were doing a rundown drill. Right. And Carter was sort of playing first base or third base. He used to do that a lot. You would do that a lot in rundown drills. It wasn't about being a catcher at that point. It was just doing a rundown drill. Right. And he threw a ball, and it hit Mookie Wilson in the eye. And it broke the sunglasses. Ah, oh, dang, Mook. That's it. <laughs> oh, dang, Mook. Oh, did it break the glass? Ah, oh, it broke the glass. Like, but, but, like, but you know what? I mean, and, and of course all the stories today about he was – a great ball player, but an even better person. And just, I still remember hearing his voice in that video, and you can tell, you, you hear the genuine concern. Oh, he's, he's in his broken. voice. Yeah, he's like completely broken up immediately, and he doesn't, I always love that he didn't curse. He never cursed, right? Right, like he didn't, he's, oh, dang, Mook. Right. And, and it, you know, he's, did it break the glass? Oh, it broke the glass. Like, he sounds like he's ready to cry. The ball hit Mookie Wilson. And Mookie Wilson was out for about the first three months of that season. Yeah, uh, but they discovered Lenny Dykstra in that time. But um, that '86 Met video is ah oh, magnifique. It's, it's so good. I mean, McWalters and I, you and I, still bounce quotes off each other. If yeah. I say to you, if I say to you, you lost all our cards. Why'd you lose all our cards? The kid's good. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you lost all our cards. Give it to him, Doc. Do it. And, and and as we now know, a very coked up Dwight Gooden throws a. Uh, I'm hoping not in that video though. I know. <laughs> oh Watch man! Signing autographs with the bat hanging out of his pocket, spitting uh, the the you know when he goes to spit and he's got like a, a gallon of water in his mouth, yeah. just keeps coming. The rally caps. I oh, mean, well, yeah, with the balls on the top. We'll never see Bob Day. Rusty Staub Day, where they all came out with the orange wigs. And the pillows under their shirt. Yeah, I mean, that, I, this, that's why that's why today, and, you know, I had, I had told you, I mentioned to you a, a couple of weeks ago, I've been feeling very nostalgic lately, and something like this happens today, and and it gets, it brings me right back to that, because, I mean, we we literally grew up with Gary Carter and the Mets. Yeah. Literally. I mean, when when we were kids, what was more important to us? Seriously, from from the age of of eight to eighteen, there was not much more important in our lives. Yeah. You know? Nope. I mean, I totally agree. And uh, it's images. You know, like I have images that immediately come to mind. I have an image of of uh, being so proud that they were in the All Star game. Like those, like Carter, Hernandez, Orozco, and Strawberry were in the All Star game. Yeah, and wearing the white cleats in the All Star game, uh, and and Gary Carter loved the All Star game. Love. I mean, he was he was MVP one year for the Expos, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the other one I love, Cal, is him crossing the plate in Game Six in '86 and pointing at Mookie. Points at Mookie. He points at Mookie as if like. You know, first of all, he didn't make the la- he would not make the last out. I mean, I love that story. Right. 
the game six story is that you know with two outs down two runs uh in the bottom of the tenth uh with the Red Sox every guy on the Met bench said it's not and Carter started it right he said I'm not going to make the last out and then you know it spread on the bench it spread to Kevin Mitchell who was in his you know his civilian clothes had taken off his uniform and they had to call him back and they said to Kevin Mitchell, Kevin Mitchell was like, I ain't making the last out. And then Ray Knight, Ray Knight. making the last out, you know. So Carter gets that rope base hit to left to start the rally in the 10th. Down two runs, two outs. Champagne chilling in the Red Sox clubhouse. Did he have two strikes on him? I think he did, did have two strikes. So they were down to their last strike. Oh, no. That, no, I think they. I think he was 2-0. Carter? No, I thought I thought Carter had two strikes on him. Mitchell didn't. Knight but definitely then, did. But then Knight did. Yeah, Knight definitely did. Mitchell hit the first pitch he saw. Right. And he and and Knight's is if you go back and look at Knight's Cal, it is a flare. Oh yeah, it is a flare that could have easily been caught, and then the whole thing's over. But Carter and Carter and Mitchell roped it. Into Carter left and Mitchell absolutely smoked it. But right. Knight's is right. a jam job flare. And I just remember Carter crossing the plate and pointing at Mookie. Yeah, he's clapping and he points. And he's clapping and then he gets to the dugout and he's yelling, "Come on, Mook!" Yep. Uh, I love that. And then the another one I have is the hands in the air after the base hit off Kerfeld. Oh, I was going to say that in the, in the playoffs. In the NLCS that won the game against Kerfeld. He was in a miserable slump in that series. And it was like a bleeder up the middle, too. Yep. Barely got through up the middle, but it won game three? I think it won game three because Dijkstra is the walk-off in game four. They won game five, I thought. He won game five. Game because, five, you're right. Yep. Right, because Dijkstra was the walk-off in game three. And then Nolan Ryan and Gooden pitched 10 innings in game four. That's right. Could you imagine? Nolan Ryan and and, and the, the, the amazing part is that you think Doc Gooden's on his way to a Hall of Fame career. Right. Pitching against the Hall of Famer. Right. And they pitched 10 innings. Never happened today. Ever. And Houston won that game. Yeah. Yep. Which which tied it at two, which made the uh, the Carter game so big. Yep. Because and Carter, it, I, I, I'm sorry, Cal. No, it was, just, it was the swing game in that series. Especially because they had to face Scott in Game Seven. So that's why they had to win Game Six. Right. Because they would have faced Scott in Game Seven. So I'm took, sorry, Scott. Scott. Scott pitched Game Four and dominated. Yeah, that's right. Scott pitched Game was, Four and beat them. It, it was Gooden and Ryan in Game Three that yeah, went ten innings, right. and then Dykstra hit the home run. That's right. Right, and Game and, Five, Carter gets the base hit off Kerfeld. Right, and if I if I, I I seem to remember Kerfeld was running his mouth in that series too. Yep. Right. Yep. With his doofy glasses. Yeah, he was this big fat chooch with the. <laughs> Didn't they have Aurelio Lopez on that team too? I think they had Aurelio Lopez, but he wasn't nearly as big as he as he wound up being. But they still cornered the market on fat relievers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they had the market corner. Aurelio Lopez couldn't even like bend to throw. <laughs> like it was, like he would come to the set and then that was it. Like he would just like sling it. Like yeah, like he, his arm wouldn't even go back past his head because <laughs> he couldn't get it. He couldn't get his arm past his body. 
He was around. That team, hey, that team scared me. That Houston team. That was an ex. They won a hundred games that year, did they not? I I don't know. I don't remember. Cal, that, that was a good team. It was a damn good team. That was a good team. A lot of guys that should have had better careers than they did. You know, like your Glenn Davises, your Kevin Basses, you know, Bill mm. Doran. Right. Uh, um, but Billy Hatcher on that team, like you, Billy Hatcher was a, was a clutch player. And he won a World Series a couple years later with the Reds, right? Yeah, in 1990. Mm-hmm. Alan Ashby caught Alan. on that team. Yep. That staff was not Jose bad. Jose Cruz. Jose Cruz with the helmet that just covered the afro. Just and, barely. And the big leg kick. And the big leg kick. How could you not get Jose Cruz out? If they couldn't get him out? Like, how could you not just throw him breaking stuff all day? Uh, <laughs> out on his front foot. I, I, oh, man. Uh, Terry Poole on that team. Terry Poole, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Hal Lanier. Hal Lanier was, was the manager. manager. Yeah. Larry Durker might have been on that staff. I think he was <laughs> gone by then. I, he might be the pitching coach on that team, Cal. They had Scott. They had Nepper. They had Deshays. And Ryan. And Nolan Ryan. Right. It's not a bad, it's not a bad four. It's not a bad four to run out there. Dave Smith coming out of the pen. With Dave, right, Dave Smith, Aurelio Lopez, and the aforementioned Charlie Fat Bastard Kerfell. The other guy, uh, Larry Anderson. He's he's probably a perfectly nice guy, Charlie Kerfell. I'm sure he is. He just happened to wear rec specs at a time it wasn't great to wear rec specs. Right. He was was a little too ahead of his time. If he would have waited until Chris Sabo hit the scene, (laughs) (laughs) it would have been fine. Waited until Spud Sabo showed up. What else? Well, give me, give me a couple more Carter memories, Cal. Couple, well, let's see, a couple more Carter memories. I totally remember his last game as a Met, because it was the last game for him and Hernandez. Really? It, yeah, nineteen eighty nine. It was they both. I mean, and and the writing was on the wall all season for them that that it was going to be their last uh, right. their last season because their contracts were up at the same time. And they were both banged up. They were both banged up. Co captains of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I I distinctly remember that game. Both Hernandez and Carter got huge ovations coming off the field. Right. And then I and then Carter went to did he go to the Giants or the Giants. Dodgers after that? Both. I don't know which yeah, one. Yeah, but, but immediately I think he might have went to the Giants. I want to say Giants and then Dodgers. And then Dodgers and then back to the Expos where he finished his career. And I don't know if you saw someone had tweeted tonight MLB.com had a video up of Gary Carter's last hit as a major leaguer. Mm-hmm. And it was in uh, September of 1992. He was playing for the Expos. And he hit a double over the right fielder's head. And, uh, I, you know, after everything that happened today, to, to, if you watch that video, you can't help but smile because he was just the look on his face. He knew He knew that was it. He knew that was his last at bat, right? As as a major leaguer, and uh, Tim Laker came out and pinch ran for him, but he, uh, but you know, he was he was just beside himself with 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 joy, and it was you know that's that's what you like to see. That's how you want to remember Gary Carter because he was always always happy. You never saw him not happy or angry or or he never hung his head ever. Even at the end when he when his talent went away, never yep. hung his head. And when he was diminished, and and you make a great point about yeah, you're going to hear a lot of people talk about the 
sort of pure joy that he played the game with. And, you know, baseball's supposed to be pure joy. I mean, it's, it's, it's often angst for us as fans and especially Met fans. But Carter just always was having a good time playing the game. And it was fun, and he was a kid. I mean, that, there's a reason that's his nickname. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the kid. He's just like a big kid out there playing uh, what is a kid's game. And he never lost that. He never lost his joy for the game. And you know what? That's your. I I am thinking back, and I think I can remember that that last at bat and him getting that hit. And he just, he just, you know, he, they used to get on him because of. He, oh, he took a lot of flack for it. He took a lot of flack because of, you know, it was arrogant. It was phony. It was that right. You know, I mean, even his own teammates. You know, if you go back to the to the uh, the the book on the '86 Mets, the bad the bad guys won. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they used to call him Gary Kodak instead of Gary Carter because he never missed an opportunity to have his picture taken. That's true, and he and he loved being in front of the camera, and, and that's absolutely true too. But I'll never, Cal, I'll never forget my. I still say it to this day, whenever one of my teams is doing well, one of the teams I pull for. Hey, we're not arrogant. We're just good. I mean, it's you know that's the difference. There's that '86 Mets team wasn't arrogant. They were just good. Well, they were arrogant too. Right, but you you hated them because they were good. I mean, we've been through this with Rex Ryan, right? Like, we've, we've wanted Rex Ryan to back it up and be like, you're not just arrogant, you're good. Right. And the Mets, you know, he did that commercial in 87 after they won the World Series. They had won. You know, and everybody, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he did in like 85 and people got upset about it. <laughs> but you remember that commercial, right? It was for like Dial Soap or something like that. Or... Oh, Ivory. Ivory Soap, right. We're not yeah. arrogant. We're just good. That's right. I, Cal, I, that that holds to this day. You know, they they played the game a certain way, and he played the game with a pure joy, and that's what's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. It's baseball. It's a kid's game. And you heard a lot of a lot of the old Mets been doing the uh, the interview circuit today. They've been on the radio. Um, Mike Francesa had Daryl Strawberry on. And, and and Strawberry had had a lot of interesting things to say. He you know because if you remember tumultuous relationship. Yeah. Big I mean really really rough relationship with both Hernandez and Carter. Strawberry. Yeah. Yep. And uh and for and different reasons. For different reasons, right. Yeah. But Strawberry um talked about how much Carter really helped him when he was young. Really? And he wish and he wishes he could have been the man that Gary Carter was. Wow. So yeah. do we. So, so do we, Daryl. <laughs> so, I mean, Strawberry's very open about his issues and... and no, I know. ...and what's happened, but... Uh, Doesn't make me feel any better about the disappointment that he was. Oh, yeah, no, of course. I'm sorry, I don't mean to go off on Daryl Strawberry here, but you just opened up a little wound for this kid. Yeah, I know. I because know. Because talk about promise unfulfilled. Well, him and Gooden. Yeah. Right, Strawberry... Really. Strawberry for some uh, who bothers you more, Cal? Gooden. Yeah, I think Gooden. so. I think so too. It bothers me more because I, mm. I you know, even back then as a kid, I kind of saw it coming with Strawberry 
because because he was he was a little bit more brash and he was a little more outgoing than Gooden. Gooden was very quiet. You know, Gooden just kind of just went out there, did his business. He smiled a lot, and you know, like when when Gooden had to go into rehab in '87, that was I I I still I remember that very clearly, being shocked that it was Gooden and not Strawberry. Totally agree. You know, like what? Dwight Go- really? Dwight Gooden? Are you sure you didn't mean to say Daryl Strawberry? I could have sworn it was Strawberry. <laughs> you know? Um, so the Gooden, the Gooden one, I mean, they both bother me, but the Gooden one bothers me more because I felt him to be more likable than Strawberry. Strawberry always had an edge to him that it was like, this guy's kind of, he's really good, but he's kind of a jerk. You know? But Gooden was like, you know, he he always struck me as as the good guy, you know. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Gooden bothers me more. I think part of it is is Strawberry's best year. Even Strawberry's best year was still it was good. It was you know it was good, but I'm not convinced Daryl Strawberry's ever going to hit 320. No. Uh. Gooden's best year in 85, I have never since seen anything like that. I and think if, the, if, if, if you're going to tell – I'm sorry. If you're going to tell me that he could have been that good on a consistent basis, which he could have, that's just – that bothers me a ton. That's promise unfulfilled. Well, and the fact that he was, he was 20 years old when he did that. Yeah. 20 years old. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and you can draw a direct line to the fact that it was uh, uh, alcohol and drug use and abuse that ruined his career. I mean, he didn't get injured until you know later, right? You know, you 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 can see where in eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, where his career is derailed because of drug use. Well, if you remember in 86, because 80, 85 was, was the ridiculous year. And then in 86, had a great year. Don't get me wrong. Not, but, you, but not as good, though. You knew you, something wasn't right. Something was wrong. And, as, and it was <laughs> – my uncle always used to say – my uncle – not Uncle Tommy, Uncle Vinny, uh-huh. uh, had, it, had it pegged. He was not surprised in 87. Really? And he used to say, anytime a guy's got to change his jersey mid-game on a 78-degree night because he's sweating that much, something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. And you know what? He was right. He was right. But I, 85, he was – I mean maybe the bar was set too high. I don't know. Because he was 24-4 and four with a 153 RA and 200, 300 strikeouts. It was just a ridiculous year. If they had whip back then, his whip probably would have been like point eight five. Yeah, it was just a, it was a, it was a silly year. But yeah, the only one since would would be um, was Pedro Martinez. Was Pedro right in ninety nine? In ninety nine with Boston, yeah. Yep. That's that's the only thing that I've seen since then. But I think I think you touched on something else with Carter, and 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 we'll wrap this up with Kid. Um, about though how some of his teammates felt about him. I mean, there's the famous fight with Strawberry. Well, Strawberry fought with Hernandez and Backman, but um, you know Carter 
was seen as a little bit of an outsider by some of the guys on that team because he didn't go out. He didn't party. He didn't drink. He wasn't uh, one of the boys. But then when they got between the lines, uh, you know, they, they, they were fine. And and also Kid Carter, as we said, was a rah-rah guy. Mm-hmm. Some guys are not rah-rah guys. Like I, I, I actually tried to emulate Carter in so many ways when I was a catcher. And one of them was I was a rah-rah guy. I mean you played – ball with me, Cal. I, I really tried to, and even I, I did it up and through college. You know, I was, because of Carter, I thought the catcher was the leader on the team. And, and you, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about it today, Cal, so many things I imitated the hand behind the back mm. and put my arm behind my back. I mean, catchers didn't do that. Right. I tried so hard to sit upright like Carter did in his, uh, catching stance. He's very upright, huge target, and with nobody on base, the arm behind the back. I started doing that when I was ten years old because of Carter. And then the other one was I used to do the uh, pitcher make a good pitch, give him the fist pump. Yeah. You know, pitcher made a pitch that I wanted. Pitcher hit a spot that I wanted. Give him the fist pump. Gary used to give you. He'd he'd catch it, call for a strike. He'd give you a little fist pump. There you go. Good job. Good spot. You know, talking to his pitchers throughout the game, uh, really trying to guide them through. I tried to do all of that. Guys in Ohio, when I went to play baseball at Dayton, hated me. <laughs> I was the loud New Yorker. I got plunked. I got plunked like five times freshman year in uh, in inter squad games. But um, you know, you tried to. Em- I tried to emulate him. I really did. I really did. And then as I, as I've gotten older. Hernandez has become my favorite player on that team, and sort of, you know, my my sort of uh, my 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 feelings for Carter sort of diminished a little bit as I read about he was sort of like a goody goody, and you know that '86 team holds such a close place in my heart that I like the guys that were, but turns out I probably should have liked the rah rah guy a little bit more. Yeah, well, in the other thing that really struck me today is that he's he's the first one to go from that team. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, but, God, he's 57. I mean, I, I know, but, I, like, it's only 25 years ago. I'm not expecting when, these guys to go. No, but, Steve, when you when you think about what a lot of these – how these guys lived and the time – Right, but Carter's the one who didn't live that way. I know. That's my whole point. Right. He's the one that I, went first, which is, like it's, – It's a sad irony. Really in 1986, is. if someone would have told you he's going to be the first one, right? You, you would have, you would have. And Lenny Dykstra is going to be alive. Dykstra, Gooden, right. Strawberry, Kevin Mitchell. I right. mean, right? Kevin Mitchell's going to be Kevin Mitchell's <sighs> be living uh, in the San Fernando Valley uh, on a ranch. It's crazy. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know. Well, Look, I, I, uh, I grew up watching Gary Carter play. I grew up, as I just said, trying to emulate him. He was a huge part of our childhood. He really was, and uh, gone way too soon. So, um, you know, uh, this is, I, I, I have enjoyed talking about this though, Cal, because you know those teams are. Uh, you and I have known each other since we're seven or eight years old. Those teams are a intrinsic part of our friendship. <laughs> Yeah, you know, 
uh, and the fact that you can point out a game in '86 that he, you know, got a base hit in, and I'll remember the game as well, um, is is sort of like a common Met consciousness that we have. And uh, it's sad. It's sad to lose a guy out of that, without a doubt. And uh, so there you go. Uh, Gary Carter, uh, 57 years old, gone way too soon. And um, with that, we should probably should probably change gears because there there uh, there is if it's cool with you, I'd like to change gears, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Sure. First of all, PJ probably has gone off to do his taxes or something. I'm, I'm not sure he's still producing the program. <laughs> he may have just he may have just let us go. He may have just said, "Oh, those boys are going to go talk about the mess for 40 minutes. I'll be back." He may be studying for another uh, ministership. What would it be? Ministry? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably ministry. <laughs> I like ministership. Minister- Can we ministership. use that? Yeah, I like that. Can we use ministership? <laughs> uh, um, you know... Uh, <laughs> We uh, we wanted to talk about this Jeremy Lin character. Yeah, Cal, what is going on in B Company? Boy, I mean, sheesh! It's it, and let's 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 give credit to Doctor Iray, who who was on this from the beginning. And he says, "Have you guys been checking out any of this Jeremy Lin stuff?" And we were we said it's a night in the neck game. Yeah, we were both laughing like yeah, Jeremy. That's that's a good one. Jeremy we Lin laughing. We that's are good funny. friends. <laughs> um. So, but but he he insisted. He says, "Nah, I mean this 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 guy is really good." I said, ah, "It's just a fad." He had a couple of good games, and it's you know, it's like the internet. You're like Bruno Kirby in uh in Spinal Tap. <laughs> this is this is a fad. I, I would never uh, I would never tell them this, but this this is a fad. So I just happened uh, you know, the Laker game was on a couple weeks ago. And I said, Yeah, let me check it out. I mean, you know, it's the Lakers, I'll see what's going on and and I put it on and uh and wouldn't you know it, this kid, <laughs> this kid scored thirty eight points against the Lakers. Right, outscores Kobe. The place was going well, and, and actually, that thanks for reminding me. That's why I put it on was because earlier in the day or the, or the night before, they had asked Kobe Bryant about Jeremy Lin, and he says, "I, I don't really know who he is. I haven't seen too much of him." You know, kind of just dismissed it. I said, "Let me just check it out just to see what's going on." And since that night, I I have to admit I've watched every Nick game. You've watched every Nick game since then. I have. I have watched. I haven't watched. The full games, but I have seen at least a half of every Nick game since then. There are a number of things at play here, and I, I want to see if we can bring the IM chat, the RTU chat room that we have with the guys into the show. So you're, you're, the, the first aspect of that is absolutely right. Dr. Eray Stat, our buddy Ev, was all over this. But let's 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 clarify that he is a big time Knicks fan, a big time right. NBA fan. While we're you know fooling Not. around with hockey in the NHL, 
That's right. We're watching Islander games. He's watching the NBA and, and uh, Premier League soccer. Be- yeah, let's not talk about that. Begging us to to be, to get back into the Knicks. That's always and it's always the battle. It's always the yin and the yang. We're trying to get him to watch the Islanders. He's trying to get us to watch the Knicks, and neither one of us is budging. And it always seems that every time we get him to watch the Islanders, they lay an egg. Right. And, and he then, loses patience right, right away. And then he'll get us to watch the Knicks, and they'll lose by 35 to to the Celtics or whatever. Wow, yeah, I'm glad I watched this. So, thanks. Boy, great turn, tuning in. So now the Lynn thing happens. So the first aspect is Dr. Eristat. The second aspect is I we don't talk about the NBA – we have seldom talked about it on the show because the Knicks haven't been good. I, for one, have been looking for any excuse to get into the Knicks, and I wrote about this today on the website on rtusports.com. You know, the guys in my office that sit near me, we have like a big bullpen in our office. The production guys, I call them because they work in production, uh, are big huge. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I came up with that. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, they're huge NBA fans. They're big sports fans. We always have great sports debates going back and forth and discussions, and we have a great time with it. And and But they're big NBA fans. There's a Laker fan. There's a Bulls fan. There's a, a couple of Knicks fans. And I, I usually refrain from those. I've jumped in a couple of times. Uh, you know, if we're talking football, forget I'm I'm dead center, but like a jerk. But basketball, I sit and listen. Well, let's, I mean, let's be honest. Basketball is not exactly our wheelhouse. NBA is my fourth favorite sport. Yeah. Always has been. Even when the Knicks are good, I'm into it. But the NBA has become very difficult for us to watch. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So now this kid comes along, and all of a sudden we got our own Tebow. There it is. <laughs> and he's and he's on the Knicks. He's in He's in our town. Well, now, now, I, I mean, I know enough about we, – we did talk a lot about Carmelo on the show when they got Carmelo. Remember, we did a couple of shows on that. Sure. Um, we had our buddy uh, Artie on, who's a big Nick fan. He's our, like our resident Nick guy. He came on a bunch of times. I mean, we've done Knicks. Last year's playoffs was exciting against Boston. We talked about the playoffs and stuff. But this is different. This smells different. And I got into Cal. I got into a, a you know, a melee. Not a melee. Uh, who's Gal? A, uh, a Donnie Brook. A Donnie Brook. <laughs> See, we have to still bring hockey into it. A tete-a-tete. Right. I'm not even comfortable using a basketball analogy. Still have to bring hockey into it. I got into a uh, no, a great conversation about. Um, I, look, we know how the Knicks are built. We've ripped uh, D'Antoni uh, in the past. They're not built correctly. Donnie Walsh, Isaiah Thomas, we've done it all. We know what's going on. We just don't watch them on a regular basis. And I, we said coming into this season, 66-game season, that this is it for D'Antoni because Phil Jackson is out there. And they're going to have to play well, and they're going to have to find a point guard. They didn't bring Chauncey Billups back. And this kid comes – I mean, are you kidding me with this kid? While Amari Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony are out, which is actually helping, right, because he played with Novak. He played with some of the seconds that are getting time. 
So there's a comfort there, you know, and he's dishing a Novak who's hitting, you know, threes like he's back in Marquette. And all of a sudden, they're this lovable ragtag group that you love. The Knicks. That's right. And the the the, uh, the conversation that I got into was was basically uh, the Laker fan in my office, my buddy Savio. He's a great basketball fan, knows basketball, and like uh, often, Cal, I just sort of do this. That's a good point. You got me there. Because <laughs> they know the players. I, I mean, I don't know most of the league and stuff like that. These guys do fantasy basketball and stuff like that. I don't know, you know. Yeah. I never played basketball at a high level. Uh, you played at a, at a higher level than I did. Um, so, I mean, at least you know a little bit more technically about the game. I did call it, though, at Dayton, so I had to learn a lot about it. Um, but anyway... He seems like a perfect fit, this kid. And all I said was, you know, my buddy was getting fed up with the Nick fans saying we're going to win the East because they're being idiots. Because you can't, you can't possibly say that yet. It's been right. six now, seven games. Right. And my buddy Eusebio said that they they ain't never going to win nothing with Jeremy Lin ever. It's been six games. And I said, well, okay. But it's also been six games. How do you know? How do you know he's not for real? How, we we don't know yet. The jury is completely out. What we do know is, and and Eusebio's other point was, he's going to get cold at some point. Obviously, of course he's not, he is. Not going to be taking twenty five shots a game, and 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 putting down twenty five and fifteen. But. I said how delightful when he does that Carmelo Anthony, one of the top five scorers in the NBA, will be back. Right. Now and then all you need out of him is 10 or 12 and, and 10 or 12. That's it. You give me 12 and 12 a night, that team is winning a lot. So let's take the basketball aspect of it first. What have your impressions been of the basketball aspect of it? Is it First question, is he for real from what you've seen? I'm not saying he's going to the Hall of Fame, Cal. I'm just saying, is he a viable starting point guard in the NBA? Or is it yeah. No, he is. He definitely is. He's. Um, I, I think the turnovers, if, if you've watched him, his turnovers have, have got to come down. He, he turns the ball over in some ridiculous ways, though. Like, <laughs> like, a, like a CYO kid, almost. When you watch him, I mean, it's, it's CYO, our, our only year of playing together, Cal. Yeah, that's right. We were on a CYO team one year, St. Anthony. Right. Yeah. Oh, I was a terrible player on that team. The blue and gold. The blue and gold. What number did you wear on that? Did you wear 13 on that team? I don't remember. I must have because I, that's typically what I wore back then. Well, guess what? I do remember. And you did wear 13 because I wore 23. 23. Interesting. I went Jordan. I love Jordan as a kid. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah. I don't like him so much right now, though. My one year of organized basketball. What would you say that was, ninth grade? Uh, no, 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 no. That would have been... Um, eighth. That had to be seventh or eighth. Seventh or eighth grade, that's right. It was pre-high school. It was Yeah, because I didn't play on that team in high school. I was terrible. Oh, I was not a good basketball player. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so he so he makes a lot of turnovers. But what he does is he gets the entire team 
involved in the play. He gets the other four guys involved, which that's what you and you know I am I am not a basketball expert by any stretch of the imagination. Half the time I don't know what I'm talking about, but what I do know <laughs> is that a point guard needs to get his team involved in the game, and he does a real good job of doing that. Um, he does a real good job of driving to the hoop and drawing coverage away from an open man, and then he can find the open man. It's weird the way he plays because he'll drive to the hoop and he might pull a second guy away. He's got the guy that's defending him, and then the second guy comes over to help. So now that's inevitably going to leave somebody open, usually like at the top of the key. And now he's down at the, like by the basket, and he's like – He's flailing around and he's falling and he just kind of flings the ball and it always finds the open man. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I guess the way to put it is like controlled chaos mm-hmm. because he looks completely out of control. Would you call it Lynn Sanity? It, well, I, I <laughs> certainly don't have to call it Lynn Sanity. Everybody, everybody is calling it Lynn Sanity. I think from, a, first of all, Mike D'Antoni must be like, uh, is this a dream? Am I dreaming? He was he was literally two losses away from being fired. He right? could have been even closer than that. Yeah, he's one. I mean, if they lose that game to the Nets, they're they're at that point they're seven and fifteen or eight and fifteen or whatever. He may get fired. Okay, so he's got to be like, am I? Is this is this Iowa? You know, like I mean, he's got to be. He thinks he's got to be dreaming. Now. Yeah. From a basketball standpoint, Cal, I think he can work in this offense. Like you look at the point guards that have been successful. Obviously, D'Antoni had Steve, uh, D'Antoni had Steve Nash, who's pretty good. Um, but you look at other point guards that have been successful uh, with him. It seems like he can have a point guard be successful in that system. I think for anybody to say that Carmelo is not going to work is ridiculous. You can't possibly say that yet. And, and no. of course, Dr. Iray shot us a, a beautiful nugget tonight right before the show where Carmelo uh, was the one who told D'Antoni to put, him in the, to put Lynn in the game. Yeah. And, and sort of urged D'Antoni to, to, to put Lynn in and to, for him to get minutes. Yeah, Lynn was on the – good. I was going to say he saw something in practice that he liked. Yeah, Lynn was on the radio this morning, and he, and he actually confirmed that story. And it was kind of his way of uh, of dispelling all of the notions that, that Carmelo was going to be a, a tough teammate. Lynn was like, you know, he's the guy that vouched for me. We're so looking forward to playing together. So you couldn't be further from the truth that he's going to come in and cause a problem. Right. And now, and, and let's why see should, what happens. But, but Brian, why should he? He shouldn't. I mean, Carmelo's got to be like, this is the greatest thing ever. First of all, he's going to get me the ball when I'm open. I know that Carmelo plays in this, you know, where he holds it for 22 seconds and, <laughs> and plays in isolation. You know, I understand the game that he's been playing. That doesn't mean he can't play outside of it. Right. And he also has to be smart enough to know that this is that the, the teammates love Jeremy Lin right now. His team loves this guy. If Carmelo comes in here and screws this up, oh, forget about it. Forget about it. So he knows he's got to play within the system, and he knows with this kid they can win. Well, he they've they've won with him. They've they've done nothing but win with him. And also, Bry, and and this has not been talked about a lot, but Carmelo has to realize. Carmelo Anthony has to realize that Stoudemire is a perfect player for Lynn. 
Like once these guys start playing together a little bit, and Amari Stoudemire, of course, just buried his brother in an awful story. Uh, his brother, uh, who's extraordinarily close with, dies in a car accident and stuff. Carmelo, or I mean, uh, Amari Stoudemire is just coming back from that, getting his legs back under him, getting his head together and stuff. When these guys play for a couple of games, that's going to be good. Yeah. Because Amari is the perfect player for Lynn. So, and Lynn is the perfect player for Amari. So, uh, Carmelo Anthony's got to, hey, buck up, little camper. This is how we're going to win. So I, I agree with you. From a basketball standpoint, he to me, he is definitely he's got a, it seems like he's got a good head for the game. He finds the open man, he gets his teammates involved, he's selfless, he's got a decent jump shot, it seems. Seems unfazed by the pressure. Um now, that brings we, we may have to bring in the bishop in a minute here, because we're about to get into pop culture land. Let's take the the basketball aspect of it away, I think they're they're at 15 and 15. They've won seven in a row. They're suddenly a contender in the East. You'd love to see them get the five or the six seed uh, if they get in the playoffs, which they should, um, so they can avoid one of those, you know, one of the big three in the first round. But the cultural phenomenon over the last two weeks with this kid is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. He's everywhere. Everybody knows about him. The president was talking about him the other day. I I I mean, you you couldn't central. I, I, everybody says that Tim Tebow is sent from Central Casting. Okay, try this one on. <laughs> Asian American Asian American NBA player from Harvard who's cut by a couple of teams. Now Tim Tebow for all the underdog story was a first round draft pick and an Heisman Trophy winner. Okay, Tim Tebow is only an underdog because nobody thinks he can play quarterback in the NFL. Tim Tebow had a pretty accomplished college career and was a first-round draft pick and a millionaire. Jeremy, this guy's sleeping on Landry Field's couch. He was literally cut by two teams this year. This year. Okay, so don't give me the you know he should be a bigger underdog story than Tim Tebow because at least somebody drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. So you mix in the fact that he's also Asian American, that he went to Harvard, of all places. You know, not usually, not really known as an NBA factory. <laughs> and he he does have. It seems he has the religious angle a little bit. He's a he's a I, I, my my new phrase for them now is a, he's a God is good guy. He's a. Uh, <laughs> He's a GIG guy. He's got his. But be fair, he's doing it a little bit differently than Tebow's doing. Oh no, no, no! I I was not making that comparison. Right. I'm not saying he's he's. It's not at the beginning of every press conference and the end of every interview. And I, I I'm just saying he's a God is good guy. Yes. He's yes. Obviously, uh, God. He's on that team. Yes. Um. So you have that cultural phenomenon, and it's in New York. Okay, so put put Tim Tebow on the Jets. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's New York. Uh-huh. In a basket, you know, the sports guy talked about it in his all Jeremy Lin mailbags that he did today, which was a really good read, by the way, Cal. I saw it. Um, right. Um, you know, a city starving for the NBA. I have to ask you the question because we ask the tough questions on this show. And then we're going to bring PJ back in here to talk about Jeremy Lin, believe it or not. 
Is this? I, is this? I don't believe. You're, you're it. not. You're not going to want to do that. You're not. Is is it going to get? Is this where we get just kicked off the air and it just gets racial and I have to lean on the beep button? And it's it's going to sound like Goodfellas on WPIX. Yeah, something. Some, Amuse you. You're not gonna want me to do voices on this one. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh goodness. As long as if you're planning on some sort of Mickey Mickey Rooney breakfast at Tiffany's sort of thing, and if I hear Holly go lightly come out of your mouth, uh, that's it. I love how he comes with his own parental discretion advisory. Yeah, put put the children to bed. I'm about to get ethnic. <laughs> it's about to get ethnic up again. Cal, is this is any of this happening if he's not Asian American? I uh, yeah, I I I don't I I think that plays a huge role in it, but I don't think this would be ignored if he weren't. So if he's a white kid from Harvard who's been cut twice and comes out of nowhere and and doesn't and doesn't have a name that rhymes or goes well as a pun with everything. Uh, I mean right. is, is it a big is it as big a deal? I mean on our website right now where we're streaming, I put a bunch of the my favorites. What are some of your favorites? <laughs> my, the one I've been using all day, the one I used on the story. Are you not entertained? With with his head on the gladiator on right. Russell Crowe's body. Yeah. That's Are you one. not entertained? And you saw the one that was making the rounds today, the most interesting man in the world? Yes. I actually put that up on uh, my Facebook page. I don't always start NBA games, but when I do, I never lose. I never lose. I'm the most interesting man in the world. What's great about it is that he he literally has never lost a game as a starter. Yeah. Did you see my caption when I put it up on Facebook? No, I have to look. <laughs> Your move, New York Post. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> they they well they that's another one that I posted on our episode page on BlogTalkRadio.com. Is the uh, what was it? Amazion. A M A S I A N. Can you say is that legal? Can we say that? I think you can say that. Can you put that in the newspaper? I, it's like that Seinfeld episode where she thinks she's dating a guy who's black. Like, should we even be having this conversation? I don't feel comfortable even talking about this. Here's a question for you, though. I I, I have no. I'm sorry. That's amazing. I was going to ask you the number of wins in a row the Knicks have. Hubie Brooks's number. Um, I was going to ask you, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. You probably don't. I haven't investigated it yet. But when the Knicks played in Toronto on Valentine's Day, on Tuesday night, it, it just so happened to be Asian American night. No. For, or Asian Canadian night, I guess it would have been better. <laughs> yeah, but it 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 really was. It was it was or Asian Asian Heritage Night. Yeah, Asian Canadian night. Well, what were there seven people there? Steve, the place was packed. No, I know, but is there a big Asian Canadian population in Toronto? 
Absolutely. I guess so. Boy, am I showing my provinciality. I had a uh, I had a friend that was at the game. Send those letters care of PJ PJ Kichobo. Um, I had a friend that was at the game actually in Toronto. Wait, and he was witness to the insanity? Yeah, he went, which which I thought was great because he he says he he was taking his wife to see insanity for Valentine's Day. This is really funny. Oh boy, somebody's not getting laid. Well, I, I think he, I think I don't know. I don't know. Because it was um, he said it was like he said it was like watching uh, a Nick home game. That's how it was. Just the most surreal experience he's ever had at a sporting event. Wow, to be in your home right. And he's and he's a professional. He's, he's obviously never been to a Met game in like late well, September when they're twenty games out. He is a professional. against against the Yankees or something like that. No, yeah, he's not. Uh, he's more familiar with the Blue Jays. Right. He's a professional sportscaster? He is. How has he not been on the show? Oh, I'm working up to it. What kind of pe- – we've been doing the show for two and a half years. What are you waiting for? He's, he's he is a, he's the Toronto – he's an announcer for the Toronto Blue Jays. What kind of market do we have for a Blue Jay announcer? Yeah, yeah. We definitely don't want to get a Major League Baseball announcer on the show to talk baseball he, with. He just does the pre and post game. He doesn't actually do play by play. It fills in, but so he's basically the Kevin Burkhart, Kevin Burkhart of the Toronto Blue Jays. You don't think that's a good idea to have him on the, on the show? No, he would, he would be more like, he would be more like the Ed Coleman. Even better. Are you nuts? All right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to. Our producer's about to take you way to task. I don't By the like way. To impose. How is it imposing? You see, you're his friend. Come on the show, talk baseball with us. Yeah, he would do that. Oh boy. We'll get him. Don't worry. I'll get him this I'll get him sometime this year. Don't the Mets play the Blue Jays this year? They do, as a matter of fact. Here, right? I believe so. We can get him we can get him live in the studio. <laughs> in one of the studios. In one of the stu- I probably mine. I'm a little closer. That's true. I can't. I, they all right. Can we try to get them for when they play the Mets? Is that we'll applicable? Talk about this. Yes. Well, let's let's take this offline. <laughs> PJ, yes. PJ, come come back in here. We need to ask you, uh, the casual sports fan, about the pop culture ramifications of Jeremy Lin. Uh, and of course, uh, if you can keep it clean, do this at your own risk. You know that. I I am. I, I look. This show is on the edge. No, but we've already talked about the basketball situation. You know, there's they've played 30 games. They have 36 to go. Let's see what happens. But now, pop culture-wise, PJ, have you heard about this kid? Hello. Just a little, a little bit. A little, little bit. He's on the news. And what's your, what's your take on, uh, on the uh, basketball version of Tebow? The way I was introduced to it was somebody screaming on the phone um, <laughs> that we wouldn't be talking about this if this guy was another race. And I thought, well, you know, seven wins in a row seem to be all attributed to the same guy. Would we even be talking about his race? Hmm. You flipped it. The more it you know. <laughs> do do do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
was PJ walking around a white room with his hands in his pockets? And that's one to grow on. You know, the next time you're going to consider race, consider this. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Why am I? What, what's wrong with one to grow on? Why can't we do one to grow on? Which one is that? I don't even know what that one is. Oh, come on. Cal, you remember that. That's that's from back in the day. Yeah, that was like on Saturday morning cartoon land. Right. Because it always had the tagline, and that's, and that's one, to one to grow on. Oh, Pete, you got to Google that one. Jeremy Schapp, <laughs> ESPN. <laughs> Do you I'm really want me to... a blank on that one. I, I am. I'm drawing a blank on that one. Really? Oh, I, I bet you if you Google... Uh, one to grow on. It was the same concept. It was like a TV, you know, like Natalie hey. from Factual Life, <laughs> and doing like a, everybody doesn't like to be called names, right? So you shouldn't call people names, and that's <laughs> one to grow on. And it had like a star, right? And then my thing. No, that, the right? star is the more you know. The star is the more you know, right? Which actually you don't you don't actually sing the words the more you know it's just a, it's just the jingle. <laughs> we do though. We do. Well, it's this is a, it's not visual. Right. So so PJ, you've turned the the Jeremy Lin story into a the more you know. All right. Good. All right. Come on. Don't you think it's fa- somewhat fascinating though that the, that how much this guy has taken over. And this phenomenon has taken over not just like sports news. I do think it's fascinating, and I also think it's fascinating that there's always haters, uh, and there's always someone who 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 doesn't want you know doesn't want people to talk about. Why are we talking about this? This is stupid. So what? what? The guy's Asian. So what? Would we be talking I... about it if the guy was black? No. Shut so, up. So, so Andy he's Rooney. He's having a really good week. <laughs> He's had a tremendous two weeks, right? Isn't that isn't that newsworthy? Now, why is Kim Kardashian involved in this, fellas? Can we anybody? She likes men. <laughs> yes, yes, she does. Well, she's friends with Carmelo Anthony's wife, and they're going to double date. Cal, is that the uh, is that the story there? Yeah, it looks double like uh, she's starting to worm her way into. Uh, into the Jeremy Lin, uh, the Lin sanity. Hey, look, if there, this kid looks like a really unassuming, like real quiet sort of. I mean, he's graduated Harvard, like he's like a real just smart. Seems like a pretty kind of quiet kid. What Should his introduction can, to fame be be a Kardashian? Yeah, That's fair. I was just gonna say, like, can we get him a nice girl? You know, I, I, I mean, come on. Really? A Kardashian? Can we just keep him away from the Kardashians, please? Please? Yeah. Get, you know, give give him an actress. Give him somebody with a talent. Who would you give him? You want to give him a nice girl? Who who can we give Jeremy Lin? Would I set him up with? Let's play Catherine wacky McVay. morning show make uh, matchmaker. See, now you just ruined it. Because now I feel like we're doing a bit, and I won't do it now. <laughs> you just ruined it. Margaret Cho. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And PJ takes the show right into you went right to Morning Zoo Land. So that was great. Thanks, Peach. That's great. Oh, Margaret Joe. 
Good job. Well done. Thank you. Oh, boy. That chicken from Anatomy? Oh, Doc. Sandra O? I didn't say oh, it. Oh, Doctor. Oh, boy. The counter girl hey. at Ling Ling's? I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm only saying. Good night, everybody. Auga. Um, Peach, do you think that the amount of attention uh, do you do you think this is a nice distraction? Is this when sports becomes for the average person like a, a sort of nice distraction? This guy's a really nice story. He's, he's uh, case uh, in point. I didn't know the NBA season had started, <laughs> and then Lynn Sanity. And I was like, oh, look, what? well, the Knicks are doing something good. Oh, look, there's basketball. <laughs> there's basketball. I used to play basketball. I enjoy a game of basketball. Okay. So, yes. So, yes. That so, is yeah. It. For the layman, this is, yeah. Wow. This I, is okay. I agree. I think it's I think it's great for the sport. I think it's tremendous for the Knicks. And you know what I like I, the best about this story? Not only does it have you know us talking about the Knicks and stuff like that, he seems like a good kid. He's he really, a shucks good kid so far. Yeah, he seems like a really good kid. Uh, and and you know it's hard not to root for that. I, I I tweeted it the other night when I flipped on the game and he hit that three point play where he got hammered and he threw it up and it went. And then he hit the three-pointer to win the game with point nine left or whatever. And I did a fist pump. I was, I, I'll be honest. Now I'd love to like like the Knicks again. I would love to. I would love to have them be a team that I could actually watch without wanting to vomit. When you were now, when they were good in the mid '90s, you weren't local. You weren't here, right? Oh, that's no, 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 no. In '94, I, I mean, '94. Let's use '94. A good example. Hey, I watched every game of the playoffs. I was a, I was hugely into it. Huge. Okay. Yeah, me too. And that's that's what I think of is that I haven't been as into it since then. Ninety nine, I got into it. Ninety nine. I was, I was. I happened to be home for that right. run. When they made that run, ninety nine was big. But since nineteen ninety nine, I really have not. I have not kept up with it. I just I've I've lost interest. I've lost interest in the NBA as a whole. I've lost interest in the Knicks because they've been so bad. Um I but I do like the sport of basketball. So that's why I'm really thankful to a guy like Jeremy Lin who's who's come along and, and renewed my interest in the sport. You know well, he's, I, I'm, he's put a light on the sport because he's good. He hasn't put a light on the sport because he's dating Lady Gaga or something like that. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. And and Which, you know by a the lot way, of that would be a good match. A nice New York girl, Lady Gaga. Yeah, right. A lot of the a lot of the Tebow stuff was I felt for the wrong reason. Like a lot of the Tebow stuff was if if Tim Tebow had not uh, had the religious beliefs that he has and his conviction in them and his sort of um, I think they, if they, if those religious beliefs were not so far out front and center he would not have been the story that he was he would have been a nice, Travel nice little, right he would have been a nice little story but it was a lot of off the field stuff that made him the story that he was whereas with Lynn 
to me, everything's on the court. It's all on the court. It's all about, you know, the, the story is there. The story is built in. The cut twice, undrafted free agent, went to Harvard, etc. He's sleeping on one of his teammates' couch. You know, all that's there. But it's not the story. The story is what he's doing on a basketball court against guys that he's not supposed to be as good as or be able to do it against. And you know what? It's nice, too, that, you know, something like, I mean, look, everybody yells at us about being like lousy New Yorkers, you know, like, oh, you know, we think the world revolves around New York. And we do. It's New York. Especially in sports. Yeah, but you know what? What do you want? We're New Yorkers. <laughs> and that's exactly why. Thank you, Cal, for illustrating the point beautifully. But we're New Yorkers. We're tough. We don't take nothing from nobody because we're New Yorkers. And it is the center of the universe, all right? So deal with it. Okay? You know why we're like this? Because we're New Yorkers. It's a city that never sleeps. City so nice they named it twice, Cal. New York. Why shouldn't they name it twice? That's right. We're New Yorkers. That's right. What are you going to do about it? Forget about it. (laughs) So... But it's nice that a story like this uh, happens to the Knicks. Yeah, you know they're they're a classic franchise. They're a, uh, one of the original NBA franchises and stuff, and they've been so mismanaged and so poorly run. That uh, with the Dolans and Jim Dolan, and it's just nice that like something that has nothing to do with him is like a good story. You know. That's I I hope I hope the kid keeps it up. I think they can be very good, Brian. I really do. I'm I'm I am really curious to see what they do when Carmelo comes back. Oh, it's must it's must they have they will now become for the New York sports fan must watch TV. And then you're going to see if they can create chemistry on the team. Exactly, it's huge. So, I mean, yeah. you, have, you have soap opera aspects of it, and you have. Uh, basketball aspects of it. Like, you want to see how it works on the court with one of the top five scorers in the league who plays in a different sort of offense and blah, 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 blah. But then you have the the chemistry aspect. Like, are they is Carmelo going to be the bad guy? It's like bringing a new character into a... or bringing back a character. Like, you know, we have... Uh, we're bringing back Diane. Oh, boy, that's current. What? Good job. Wow. What? <laughs> wow. That's pretty current. Good job, everybody. Thanks. Good night. Great job. Let's go back 35 years. Let's, I'm going to go ahead and take take this one back. Cheers. Hey, which Darren was your favorite, Steve? Uh, which play? Yeah, no, I knew what you were talking about, Cal. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, I went uh, I went old. I went very old, but you, you guys, give me, a, give, give me a, an analogy. When they brought Diane back, it was no good. It, it was gone. Right. It, it, give me an analogy, though. Okay, so you got Carmelo coming back. Jeremy Lin's the good guy. Can you, can you give me one? I couldn't think of one for the life of me today. Obviously, so I reached for Cheers. Which you went with Diane. Yeah. Terrible. Um, the uniting Guns and Roses. What happened? Wow, that's a whole other podcast. You put Axel back on stage with these people. It was terrible. It was very disappointing. Well, that, well, that, was, that doesn't happen. Well, that was the first. That was the first David Lee Roth return to Van Halen. When they got rid of Sammy Hagar, they brought David Lee Roth back, 
and everybody was like beyond excited, and it and it was a disaster. You remember them at the MTV Awards? Yep. The thing broke up before it even had a chance to start again. Yeah. yeah. And GNR, any of those GNR incarnations had Buckethead in them. So, right. The defense rests. A very I would want good to be. guitar player, but does not belong in GNR. No, no. And I don't know if I'd want to be on the stage with Buckethead. I would. Uh, just, I'm just, I know you would. I what about? Would, uh, yeah, there's got to be a music. There's got to be a musical analogy here. But the, the point is, it's it's must watch TV for two reasons. One, you want to see if it's if they're a great team. You know, if they if they can be a, a competitive team in the East. Two, you want to see if you know if he fits in chemistry wise because people love this kid, love this kid. What about when Patrick Duffy returned to Dallas? Sure. Yeah. When they tried out Gary Sharon in Van Halen. It's a little WWFE too, right? It's a little wrestling-y. It is because you don't know if you're going to be able to trust Carmelo. Right. Sports guy made that analogy, right? In the mailbag, I think it's a little wrestling-ish. Like, does, an, does Carmelo come back as a bad guy? Yeah, there's an aspect to it. Is he bad, Hulk Hogan? Like, and what was the Did name he wear of a that? mask? <laughs> Why is Carmelo Anthony wearing a mask? He's really he wears white, white face paint like Sting. Remember that one? That guy? <laughs> or was that the end of the I remember paper? him. I Why is Carmelo Anthony in a unitard? What's happening? What's going on? And what's he doing with that chair? <laughs> Walks out, there's music, there's lightning. How is this happening? <laughs> Poor hey. Jeremy Lin. Hey, look, we 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 went ahead and did it. Let's Did you watch wrestling? I mean, we've talked about the 86 Mets. Uh, I just brought up Cheers. Uh, how about wrestling? Anybody just let's just go right back to the 80s, yeah. Anybody I'll watch it? Anybody WWF? Sure. I've been to live wrestling matches. I saw Andre the Giant wrestle live and in 3D. Where would this have been? Wait. This was at Madison Square Garden in about 1981. Wow. That night I saw Jimmy Superfly Snooker was there. Right. You remember the Superfly? Of course. Sure. The reigning world champion at the time was Bob Backlund. Bob, ba- Bob Backlund, yep. Talk about, you know, a straight shooter, true blue American pie, gee whiz. That's Bob Backlund. going on there. Yep. Um, that was his storyline. Yeah. Um, Did you know it? You were probably about 10 years old then. Did you know it was fake? No, were you, no. Were you, you were buying Not it. Not at 10. Why? Not Some 10. people know at 10. No. And if I had oh, any come doubt on. if I had any doubt the mayhem that was going on in that place, you are so convinced that what's happening is real because there are grown men around you screaming their faces off. <laughs> well, that should have been a warning sign. If anything. <laughs> come on, Andre the Giant body slammed Killer Khan. Oh boy. I mean it was it was just it was just amazing. All right. And hey, uh did you see that, into my memory. Did you see that that WrestleMania is gonna be coming to MetLife Stadium? Yes. Next year. Yep. Maybe you wanna take uh oh, Danny. Can we do a live podcast? <laughs> we we definitely need to do a live remote. 
for WrestleMania. For WrestleMania. Oh, I love that. I only but, know one guy now. I only know uh, John Cena. Is he still doing it? I have no idea. I yeah. Think be, I, I think I think it'd be great to do a live remote from there and not talk about wrestling. <laughs> no. I just do the whole hey, show. They still on talk the, about uh, You know, I stand at the bus stop check. every morning with my kids. What are the kids talking about? Are they talking about Lady Minaj or whatever? We, What's her name? We got uh, we got uh, triplet fourth grade boys at the at the bus stop, and they talk about wrestling all the time. Man, did you Tri- see Raw? Oh my God! Wait a minute, triplet fourth grade boys? They're they, triplets. They, they, they're fourth are they, graders. Is that like a parent all- trap? No, forget that, Cal. They're, they're, that's a future wrestling team right there. Maybe. Or the Hanson brothers. Are they, are they big Maybe. kids? My no, my son's actually bigger than them and my son's only in first grade. Well Danny's Danny's, you know Danny throws it around a little bit. Danny's a future linebacker. Danny's 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 a little bag of cement, without a doubt. <laughs> yes. He is, you know, but uh, the the triplets. This is per. This is that are into wrestling. It's perfect. Get me Bobby the Brain Heenan. We we got yeah. something here. Oh, Bobby the Brain. Remember him? Oh my God. It's going to be bigger than Jeremy Lin. By the way, that's my new. That's my new one. What bigger than Jeremy Lin? I'm telling you, this this movie coming out is going to be bigger than Jeremy Lin. <laughs> I'm going to get tired of that really fast. That's morning. You're right now. That's my new that's my new qualifier for any new idea that I have. <laughs> you doing that is gonna be more annoying than Andy Dick. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is more annoying than Andy Dick. <laughs> you try. Uh all right boys, let's uh, let's wrap this bad boy up, huh? Shall we? What do you think? What do you think? Why not? Hey Peach, I forgot that I forgot to ask you. Yeah, uh yeah. Now that I can't hear you, please ask. Who's producing this? Do you have any uh, Gary Carter memories you'd like to throw out there? Uh, a very good one, which is uh, when when uh, I went to go see a Billy Joel concert in uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, it, it, it was, uh, I think, right before the postseason. And uh, he brought out Gary Carter as a special little walk-on. You know? Nice. Right, right after he had done New York State of Mind, he's like, and, you know, New York, blah, 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 so let's bring out a real New Yorker, and out came Gary Carter. And the place uh, chanted, let's go Mets, for about 45 minutes. It was just amazing. Wow. And he just stood there and waved and smiled and shook hands, and uh, it was great. Oh, I love that but story. It's fantastic. I've been there. That's your final unload. That's it. You're done. <laughs> You're wrapped. Thanks. Walk fried rice. That was... That was... That was oh, boy. <laughs> he ruined it. He ruined it. Cal, final unload. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm taking two tonight. Okay. Number one, I'm going to plug my appearance on WSJURadio.org tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Another one? We're doing another alumni reunion show. I didn't get to do the last one, but I will be there for this one. 9 o'clock tomorrow night, Friday, February 17th. And that's only available online, right? Online at wsjuradio.org. 
Excellent. If you want to hear some wacky morning show uh, <laughs> gimmicks, tune in. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is, of course, happy birthday to my lovely wife, Allison. Today was her birthday. Today was the special day that you were talking about. It wasn't Julia's religion class. It was my wife, Allison's birthday. So happy birthday to my wife. Excellent. Happy birthday. Yes. Happy birthday. And uh, my final unload is um, a, uh, a special uh, farewell to uh, to Gary Carter. It's a big part of my youth. And uh, thank you for the memories, kid. And also uh, thank you for the memories to my aunt, uh, who we also lost today. Um, not coincidentally to the same uh, ailment as Gary Carter. The exact same. And so... Uh, she was a big Mets fan, and so the uh, hopefully when they uh, when they got up there, the gates of Shea were maybe the 410 sign was somewhere involved. But uh, thank you for the memories to you both. All right, that's all the time we have on Radio and Love with Count to Beat, episode number 306. Check us out on iTunes at the iTunes Store. Search Ready to Unload, and you can download the latest episodes and subscribe and get them for free. And also, Cal, we redid the website. It's freaking yes. awesome. Fucking it really is. New content. New content. I'm writing on it. Cal's writing on it. Pop culture. PJ is writing on it. He's I just posted to it. You you did? Yes. What do you think I was doing <laughs> while you guys were talking? Oh, I don't know. I thought maybe you were listening to the show and producing. Silly me. Um, check it out. www. You are in a league of one. <laughs> Uh, www.rtusports.com Check it out Special thanks to our buddy Billy Goodwill Gefkin Who uh, redesigned the website yet again uh, Thank you Bill The scotch is on the way Alright, we'll see you all next week Thanks everybody, Good night, Cal Good night, Steve See ya